morning. It's great to see you this morning. Do you know one thing that I miss from, from 2020? haven't done any of that. I miss flying. I like to fly out somewhere and, and to be able to uh, enjoy a break from some, anywhere. You know. But here's, here's the thing that I find very interesting is when you get on that plane and you're taxiing down that runway and, and all of a sudden the flight attendant gets up and he or she, they begin to talk. And, and some of you know that, and some of you don't because you don't pay attention, but they're talking about the seat belts. It's good to wear those and when you could have them on or not have them on. And, and, and then they talk about the flotation thing, a device underneath the seat. And I never like hearing that because I'm figuring if I need a flotation thing, I'm really in trouble because I'm so far up in the air and, and landing in water, which I'm not flying over water, but somehow we got lost and landing over water is like hitting concrete. And then they talk about the oxygen things, and, and you hear about that, but it's kind of surprising how very few people really pay attention. There was this flight attendant, and she was sharing about what what is, you know, all those things. And sometimes I think maybe I feel like that flight attendant because not everyone's paying attention. And that, and, and, and that flight attendant, she, she, she noticed this guy, and he, she said, you know, you're not paying attention, and you ne- really need to be paying attention because if we're in trouble, you need to know what to do. And he looked at her and goes, well, I really don't need to know what to do. I just need to know where you are because if something begins to happen, I'm coming to you, and you're paid to know what to do and take care of me. Well, you know, I'm not sure that's a good or bad, but I come to realize sometimes there are two reasons why people don't pay attention to that flight attendant. One of them is, is that um, it's not really relevant to them because they're, they're, they're not thinking that that plane's going to crash because if they're thinking that plane's going to crash, they're not getting on that plane, you know. And, you know, and, and then, then the, the second thing is that they don't always listen because they've heard it before. It's uh, repeating again and again, and it just gets kind of kind of boring. I hope hope that you know you've heard me preach again and again, and and I hope you don't get bored on that. But, but there's something true about this: is that these things that relating to that flight attendant and those paying attention is about maybe we as a church sometimes of. Uh, trying to reach people who have not committed their lives to Jesus Christ yet. Say yet. Yet. Because there's always that hope. Uh, I believe in, in the midst of all this chaos that we've been living in, we followers of Christ, we, we have become so um, uh, caught up in just getting through this chaos surviving this chaos is that we have totally forgot about winning the loss to Christ. And in that, in doing that, sometimes even those who we're speaking to, they really don't always want to hear us because they're so tired of hearing all the disasters that is happening all around them. They don't want to hear one more disaster like hell. You know, so so they they avoid us or avoid the whole subject. 
But, but here's, here's the last reason that I think that sometimes those who have not become followers of Christ yet, that they haven't done that because they haven't seen the blessing of that full life in Christ being lived out before them. And that's the one that breaks my heart the most. So I've been talking to you the past couple of weeks about our core values, not as just a church, but as followers of Christ for 2021. I've talked to you about integrity, about being salt and light. This morning, I want to talk to you about that core value of reaching people for Christ. So can can we just get our minds focused? Now, pay attention. Now, I'm this flight attendant here. I'm, uh, believe me, I'm going to land this puppy really nice and smooth, okay? But one thing I do want you to do is hear every word that the Spirit is saying to the church. So, Heavenly Father, we would say we welcome you in our presence, but how could I welcome someone who has always been here? So I say we recognize your presence here this morning, and we're excited about what you have to share with us. So, so what I ask, Lord, is that you bring our minds into focus. Let us not be thinking about what happened yesterday or last week or last year or, or what's going to be happening in the future. Let us seize this moment. Because this moment, you are with us. This moment, you have something to say to us that is so vitally important to our very existence. And we thank you now for the results of what is about to happen here this morning. And we ask this in that powerful, loving name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Turn to Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Turn to Luke, the 15th chapter, and let's get started. Are you ready? Luke 15:1 from the Amplified Version. Now, all the tax collectors and, and sinners, I, I, I'm humored by that. Tax collectors and sinners, they put them in the same, okay. Including non-observant Jews. And, and I really find that intriguing. I wonder if we have any non-observant Christians these days these days, and I don't answer that. And we're coming near Jesus to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began um, muttering and complaining, saying, this man accepts and welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, <laughs> this is the church. This is the religious establishment. They couldn't handle Jesus being among sinners and, and eating with them. You know, he was spending too much time with these sinners, those who haven't become followers of Christ yet. Say yet. There you go. They didn't like it. They wanted him to spend all his time with them. Kind of selfish, isn't it? When he saw this, he noticed how upset that they were. So in the great teacher that, that he is, is that he wanted to tell a parable, well, it's a story to them. In fact, he wanted to say three of these, these stories he wanted to talk to them 
about this. But, but let's, let's start here with verse 3 of chapter 15. So he told this parable, What man among you is it that has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost, searching until, until he finds it? This is until he finds it. They are lost, or maybe I say they are not found yet. And, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoicing. And when he gets home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. For Pete's sake, it's just a sheep. He has 99 others. It's just one. He should be rejoicing. I didn't lose two or 10 or 15 or 20. But he was so excited because there was that one, that one sheep that was lost, that he was rejoicing over, that he found it. He says, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over the sinners who repent than over 99 religious people who have no need of repentance. I call this the love for the lost. He loves you. He's concerned about you here in this sanctuary and there online as a follower of Christ. He, he is so pleased that you have made that commitment to Christ. But, but I want you to know something, that he's more concerned about that one who has not become that follower of Christ yet. Because he knows that eternity is at stake here. And he wants us to realize that the vital importance is searching for that one. So what can we learn from this story, this parable that he wants to teach us? Number one is the first thing is that Jesus initiates, well, initiates reaching the lost. He had 99 sheep. Somehow he keeps a count and they count them, you know, with that staff, one, two, three. The hook on the end of it, and sometimes they had got to hook them in from going astray. But he, but he realized one is gone, and he goes after it. Now, now pay attention to this, because this is important for us to hear. He says this, is that lost sheep did not find the shepherd. The shepherd went out to find the lost sheep. Can I repeat that? Lost sheep did not do not look to find the shepherd. The shepherd went out to find the lost sheep. You see, God doesn't expect people to find us. He expects us to find them. That's called the great commission. Go into all the world. I read a story about a about a survey that's being made about drowning people. Well, well, it's really not people who drown, because how could you survey and give a survey about people who drown? They can't tell you anything. It's about the people around them. And, and, and the question that was asked to these people is, why didn't you rescue them? Hmm. Many times people say, well, we didn't realize that they were drowning. There was a lot of splashing in the water, and we thought they were just splashing. We didn't realize that they were really in such desperate shape. 
Well, do you know, that's like to church somewhat. There's a lot of times we, we look around the sur uh, on our community around us and that we're surrounded with, and there is a, a lot of splashing going on. There's COVID splashing. There's political splashing. There's economic splashing. There's family splashing, religious splashing. But no one seems that people are drowning all around them. And why is that? Maybe it's, well, because there is not a lifeguard on duty. Because, you see, the lifeguard will be looking a little below the surface to see those who are drowning. And that shepherd was that lifeguard because he looked below the surface. He saw one sheep was missing. What we need as people to look below the surface because there's a whole lot, wow, I, I don't know how to emphasize it, a noise that's going on around us, a whole lot of splashing that is going on around us, and we don't look below the surface because there are people who are drowning. So I have something that I was, when I was studying this, I came across this, um, this preacher that she was, she realized the importance of looking below the surface. And she starts off every one of her board meetings with this. And when I read that, I adapted it. I stole it, actually. And this Tuesday, I have a board meeting. I want my board to hold me to this, is that I'm going to start off the board meeting and saying, we have met here tonight to reach people. And every decision we make as a board will either help us in that cause or hinder us, period. I, I want us to have a nice church. I want it to be clean. I, I, I want to fix the things that need to be fixed. But that's nowhere near as important as us reaching people for Christ. Here's what happened. Now, I'm sure 96 years ago when this church started, down on Fry Road, that little adobe hot church that, that we were in. I wasn't in, okay? I'm not that old, okay? I may have the white hair, but I'm not that old, okay? But, but, but I heard. I've talked to people years ago who were there. And, and, and their passion when they begun this church was to reach the loss. That's every passion of every new church that starts. They want to reach the loss. But what happens over time is that we get caught up in organizing the church and not expanding the church. Now, when I wrote that, that word expanding just exploded in my mind. Expanding. The Holy Spirit spoke into me at that moment. So go to Isaiah 54. Whoa. And, and here's what I want you to understand. At that moment, now, when I'm, when I'm putting together my sermons, that, that there's, I have an agenda of what, what I'm going to be talking about. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit is laying that on my mind and my heart. 
And, and here's, here's the crazy thing. Some of you are going to think, well, that's weird. I start in the, putting together a sermon from the end moving towards the front. What I want to see as a result of what is being said. And, and, and I had some things in mind on where I wanted to be taking this, this message. And, and then all of a sudden, when that verse, that chapter came to mind, Isaiah 54.10, it exploded in my mind and my heart. It was like a fire within my belly. And, and I didn't know if I could really read this to you or if I should shout it to you. So here it is. I have a word of the Lord for you this morning. In Isaiah 54, verse 10, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on us. Wow. As I was reading that chapter, it started even and it's starting with verse one. We'll, we'll get to that. Is the thought came to my mind? How many of you had a good belly laugh recently? Just laughed and laughed. You know, snot coming out of your nose and everything. It's just, it's just uncontrolled laughter. I love kids because when kids laugh, I mean, they nothing hinders them. They're laughing. They're rolling on the ground laughing. There's nothing hinders them from doing that. And 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 then I come across this chapter, 54 verse one. And it starts off like this. Sing. Oh, man. You know, I, I don't know if, if Anthony likes to sing. Uh, I, I think he likes to pray more than he likes to sing because I love to hear him worship and praise and pray to the Lord. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into a song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. That doesn't make sense. How, how could a barren woman of that time and during the years of Isaiah ever sing rejoice because her having children was, well, her value, her worth to her husband and to her family? Yet, when you look at this chapter, it is considered chapter 54 is, is one of those chapters that is filled with joy. Joy, bursting into song, shouting for joy. Boy, do we need that today, huh? In, in the midst of this barrenness of the world in which we're living in, the chaos of everything that we're going through, we need some good singing going on, shouting in joy, bursting into song. See, Isaiah 54 comes from a response from Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. And, and here's the thing that was being offered to them, because it's there that they tell us that sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, said the Lord. I read that. I love the idea of shouting and joy singing unto the Lord, but that's kind of confusing. It just doesn't make sense. Because the first thing that popped out is, how could this be joyful for such a woman in that state and in that season in life and 
in that um, culture of the day of Isaiah. So, so here's what I want us to do is I want us to take a different understanding. Well, the right interpretation of exactly what is going on. See, once Israel was this great nation, and they were called the people of God. Do you know that's who you are? You are the people of God. Or they were called God's treasured possessions. Almighty God. I'm his treasured possession. And they lived under the blessings of that. Until there was that time when they rebelled and they sinned against God, rejected him totally. And, and it seems like, like when that happened, you think God would try to rein them in and force them into, to, to line up, but he didn't do that. He said, fine, you don't want me, I'll leave. Remove my blessings and my protection. And after a while, things began to fall apart. There was civil war. Ended up a, a nation being divided, split in two, Judah and Israel. Well, I, when I'm reading that, I'm thinking, are we talking about Israel? Or, or are we talking about America? How we are such a divided nation these days. And, and then later, the Assyrians invaded and conquered Israel. And then eventually the Babylons came in and, and they took everything from Judah and the people were enslaved. So, so I look at chapter 54. Now, this takes place in Babylon. And God is actually referring to Israel as that barren woman in verse 1. Now, you get that? For all intentions is that these people were, well, they were in trouble. Not, not that they couldn't have children. They were having children, not as many, be, because they were in war, they were sickness and battles and death was falling apart, but they were having children. But those children were living in Babylon. And, the, and living in Babylon, they were being taught the Babylon ways. And, and eventually what happened is that they began to lose their own identity of who they were. You see, family of God, we could get so caught up in the issues of the world. No matter what it may be, if you're Republican, Democrat, or whatever it is, or, or whatever cause you're fighting for, we could get so caught up in that stuff that we lose our identity as the people of God. In fact, what happened is that in losing their identity, they even lost their name. My name is Tumas Vudek Rakochi. What is that? In Hungarian, Thomas Walter Rakosi. Daniel is a pretty cool name. But they changed that name to Belshazzar. And, and losing that identity. And then there was, remember those three Hebrew boys? We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
But their Hebrew names, they were Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. Now, they were losing their identity. These people, the Israel, fell into despair. <laughs> Anybody feel like we in the land in which we are living in were falling into despair? They thought that God was going to hold their sin against them forever. And, and the, the amazing thing to me is, is that they, they felt that, that by abandoning God is, is, is that rebelling against them. Well, if, how many ever watch Shark Tank? I, I kind of like Shark Tank. I like these new entrepreneurs. They come up. You know, it's crazy things. I mean, a guy came up with a sponge, had, had a happy face in it. You could put two fingers and a thumb in it and, and clean. And I'm thinking, oh, that's nice. I mean, no big deal. He's made multiple millions on that stupid sponge. I go, duh, why did I think of that? Well, well, there's a guy named Kevin on that, one of the Shark Tanks, and, 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 and he's a billionaire, and, and, and he's pretty business savvy because he likes, as he says, money. But when he doesn't like someone who is offering something to him, and he doesn't like it, he says something to him that was first time I heard of was horrifying. He says, you're dead to me. And I go, woo, I don't know how I could, I, in fact, I wouldn't have handled it. Him and I would have an encounter, you know. But, but the thing is, is that that's how the Israelites felt. They felt like because they have rebelled against God, and he left them unto their own making, that they were dead to him. But amazingly, something happened. <laughs> Is that when least expected, God comforted his people. God came to his people. Think, think. The parable of the shepherd. The shepherd went after the sheep. God went after the rebellious people of God and comforted them. I find that intriguing. In fact, in Isaiah 53, if you go back from 54, Isaiah 53, verse 11, it's saying, what's about to happen? What he was offering them. And this is what it says. And after he has suffered, I'm talking about the Messiah. He will see the light of life and be satisfied by the knowledge my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. They go, wow, Isaiah thought this is incredible. But the Israelites are thinking, I don't get it. He can't even save himself. How could he save us? But Isaiah's response was was from this man of sorrow they were talking about. Well, he said, sing, people, sing. Why are you just sitting there, burst into song, and shout for joy? <laughs> Get up and celebrate. The Israelites thought God was done with them, but to their surprise, their amazement, he was not. I want you to know something. We hear something these days 
that that just craziness is going on in our world and said, if people make this decision, it's going to be the worst thing in the world. We're going to die as a country and or, or we're going to die of the pandemic and this and that and another thing. And we're thinking, what are we going to do? I want you to know something, family of God, here in the sanctuary and there online. I want you to know that God is not done with America yet. And why do I believe that? Listen to me very carefully. Not because we're such a cold country. Not because we're so powerful. Not because we're so prosperous. But because America is the number one nation in the world that sends missionaries out to the world for people to hear the message of Christ. When we stop doing that, when we stop forgetting about the loss, when we just care about us being comfortable, just our own little church is that when we're caught up in just that then we're in trouble long as we care about winning the loss God's protecting hand would be upon us listen to me here's the verse that really lit me up in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 54 and, and I believe that this is the word of the Lord for Chandler First Assembly, and I believe for every church in this country for 2021. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will um, dispossess um, nations and settle in their desolate cities. We are taking back what 2020 has stolen from us. We're taking back what Satan has stolen from us. God has a purpose. He has a plan for our church. He has a plan for the body of Christ. And he's saying, we need to win the loss to the Lord. Do I hear an amen? amen? See, Isaiah was so excited when he saw God's salvation, he really could not hold back his joy. He said, you're not going to be barren anymore. In fact, you're going to need to get bigger tents. They didn't even know they had tents. Your larger cords, bigger stakes, stretch it wide as possible as you can because you're going to need the space. He's saying, I'm about to do something among you. It hasn't happened yet, but it is coming your way. Help is on the way. And Isaiah saw that, and he began to rejoice. Well, he began to shout with joy. He began to sing his heart out. And he, here's what happens is that when, when Israel went into this rebellious state, is that that was before, well, well that was in Egypt they became slaves then. But, but after that, they, they, they were not rebellious. They were in despair. And you know there's not a difference because despair means we don't have our hope in him. We have it in ourselves in that despair. Now, I, I, I want to give you, show you how much God loves winning the loss. In verses 4 through 6 in chapter 54 of Isaiah, it says, Do not be afraid. 
You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. What you're talking about not being fruitful anymore. You're going to no longer remember the foolish things that you've done in days gone by. I asked, I was going to ask the first service and I didn't. I'm not going to ask you because I said, how many of you regret any of the foolishness that you've done in years gone by? Some would raise their hands and others would lie. They wouldn't raise their hands, you know. So I don't want to put you in that position in doing that. But he's saying this, we've all fallen short. And sin falls short of the glory of God. But it's that grace of an almighty God is able to bring that restoration in one's life. You know, praise God. He's able to do that. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is, your, is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Now, I don't know if that's the earth as the people or earth as the land, the earth as under the earth, underground or above the ground. Just let's take it all because he is the God of it all. And the Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and, dis and, and, and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected, says the Lord. What he's saying is he's bringing you back again. Hmm. See, he's saying, now you remember what happened when you were in slavery in Egypt and, and I delivered you. Well, now you're in slavery in Babylon and I could do that again. Uh, they, they weren't sure if that could actually happen. But God says, don't be afraid. In verse 5 of this chapter, it is a array of names in which God is, is given to him. And, and I love that he says, for your maker, the creator, the Lord Almighty. These aren't just nice little cute little nicknames. They are declarations of who he is. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all, of all, of all, of all the earth. He is declaring who he is and what he can do within their lives. The Israelites have been defeated by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And what they had to do is when they were brought into that captivity, they had to unlearn everything that they were taught in that period of time. And they had to relearn how to be conquerors in Christ. And then they had to trust him in that. You, you see, I think that, yes, the 2020 has put us, well, in our corner. Maybe he wanted the church to be reset. Maybe he wanted you to be reset. But what happens when we begin to be comfortable in the chaos around us? We learn to adjust to the culture around us and we become comfortable with that. We are in trouble. 
Because what happened is that we started to adapt to the culture. And God says, I want you to remember your purpose is to reach the laws. When you walk outside the doors of this church, always remember to look up. Because there is a sign above those doors that says you are now entering your mission field. And I mean that, that you're entering into your mission field. They had to relearn to be conquerors. You are more than a conqueror, my friend. You are a child of the living God. You are, well, more than a conqueror. Whatever that is, that's pretty big stuff. That, that he says that you are his crowning glory. You're more beautiful than a sunset or a sunrise or the beauty of the ocean or, or the mountains around the land. You are his crowning glory. You see, no wonder Isaiah couldn't contain his joy when he realized after being in captivity in Babylon, what the Lord was giving to him. It's, it's what God is saying to us. He's talking to us about that, that lost sheep. He's saying, I want, all this has happened to us because I want you to remember your purpose as a church and more so as a body of Christ is that we must care about the lost world. I love it when, when, when I see and seen on TV where an athlete is running a race. And all of a sudden, the person in front of them, they tripped and they fell. And that was their chance to just pass them and go for the finish line. But they would stop and they would pick that person up and they would hobble to that finish line together because that was important. Because someone fell underneath the water. The splashing was him hitting the ground. The damage was when he hit the ground. And someone needed to pick him up. Needed to carry him across the line. Church. God is speaking to us as a body of Christ. He's concerned about everything. He goes on and talks about the lost coin. <laughs> I found out in the, in the first service is that Kathy lost her ring. And I'm thinking, wow. Well, I think she found it, so I don't want everybody at their service running up to see if they could find the diamond ring. And he cares about your finances. He, he cares about your family, the, the lost son, the prodigal son. But I find it intriguing that he starts off first by caring about the lost sheep. There's a story that is told about when we get to heaven. Now, a story. Now, this is not the gospel according to Thomas, okay? But this this is intriguing because it really got my attention when I read this is that there's going to be two questions that's going to be asked of you when you get to heaven. I don't know where we're not, but if they are, we better be prepared. That first question is, did you come alone? 
Did you come alone? Were you so caught up in surviving and taking care of yourself that you forgot about your neighbor? You forgot about the lost? We're doing church differently than we've ever done it before. Someone came into the office on Friday morning and and I was here and, and they knocked. I thought they was asking for food and, and they just said, I, I, just, I just need to talk just, just for a minute. And I, and I saw the look in their eyes and, and, and I was cautious because I didn't know them and, and, and being socially distant and, and then we, we both had masks on and I said, sure, we, we could talk. And they sat and, and, and then within 10 minutes, it was not the issue, was the real issue. They lost hope. They, they thought it was this family stuff, and it could have been. I mean, it played into it. But more so, they lost hope. And you know that, that, that I was a full-time therapist at one time, and, and, but, but I'm not the guru of all the questions. But I know the one who is, and it's Jesus Christ. And within 10 minutes of that encounter, I had the privilege of being able to praying a prayer of salvation with them. Man, the tears were flowing. That individual was in church in the first service. I introduced them to someone who's able to connect with them because they understand what they are going through. Oh, wow. You see, it's if we look below the surface, we're going to see the people in despair. But, but here's the second question. The, the first question is, did you come alone? The second question is, if you say you're standing before God and you're wringing your fist and your fingers and, and your toes into the ground and, 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 and you don't say, yeah, I did. And the second question is this, why? Why? Why did you come alone? See, within God's word, he teaches us is that the vital importance to come before those people who are not followers of Christ and introduce them to Jesus. Because we live in a hurting world. People need hope. They need direction. And, and I want to pray with you right now. But, but I want to pray two prayers. One prayer is I want to pray with you online and you here in this sanctuary about a decision in your relationship with God. Because before I could ever help anyone else find or go out and look for them to introduce them to Jesus, I need to be sure I know him. Would you stand with me, please? Get ready. Because people are going to make decisions right now online and here 
in this sanctuary. There are going to be people who are watching online tomorrow and the next day. There are going to be people out there. You're going to be there. Maybe it's Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. Maybe you're here in Arizona. Maybe you're in another part of the country. Or maybe you're on the other side of the earth. But you're listening. And God is saying to you, you are valued. You are important. I have a purpose for your life. So here it is. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Heavenly Father, as we pray, we realize in the chaos of this past year, we are so caught up in getting through it and surviving, we forgot about our relationship with you. Or maybe we never knew there was that possibility. But after hearing this message, I really feel something that is tugging at my heart this morning. And that tugging at your heart, my friend, is the Holy Spirit. He wants you to know that he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know that he has a purpose for your life. That purpose that would be fulfilling. But first you need to make that decision and saying, Okay, Lord, I'm all in. I'm on board. I want... I want to know you personally as my Lord and Savior with heads bowed. And you you online, bow your head because it's the Holy Spirit that sees this. And so what I ask is that if I'm speaking to you, you, you need to recommit your life or commit your life to Christ for the very first time. Whatever it may be, maybe you've got distracted and you kind of lost your way and this today is your time saying pastor would you remember me in prayer you online look at the TV the Holy Spirit sees that you here in this sanctuary look up at me if that's you thank you I want to remember you in prayer thank you I love that thank you thank you thank you thank you this is your day. So would you, you pray a prayer with me, would you please? Out loud. Let's make that declaration together. All of us together. Heavenly Father, today I am making that commitment. I am all in. You got me. Every part of me. I want to serve you the rest of my life. So I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life. Lead me and guide me in all of your ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, let's shout unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Because heaven itself is rejoicing over that one decision, multiple decisions that are made, because that one sheep that was lost is found, and now they're part of a body of Christ.